Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening and welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. It is Monday. Oh my. Oh my indeedy, babies. We are kicking off a crazy week here on tonight's Andrea K. Show with talk about explosions. Talk about dynamite. There is a book coming out. I believe it's by Dr. Steve Atlas or Scott Atlas. Excuse me. It is Scott Atlas coming out in the fall. New York Post has written an article today and I... I, I I shouldn't be shocked. Why am I shocked? I was just talking on Friday night show. I think it was that Fauci isn't going anywhere because the the you there was too many different departments and agencies involved in gain of function funding and research. We are we knew already on Friday we had an inkling of some of what's in this this New York art New York, New York Post article today. We're going to get into some of that. I shouldn't be shocked, but I still am because there's just there's still this little girl in me that would like to think that that the stench coming out of the deep state isn't quite as bad as it is. Where where do you guys get a load of what was really going on behind the scenes of the COVID response? And uh, and really the greatest cover up in the history of the United States of America. This surpasses even anything involving the Mueller investigation. This surpasses anything involved in the Benghazi cover up in which four Americans died. Because, of course, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of Americans at this point. Uh, we still got to get into some electioneering, some fraud in the election. There's breaking news coming out of that today. But we also have a Dominion machine whistleblower out of Michigan who not only blew the whistle on Dominion, but she's actually decided to run for office. We need more of this. We need more Marjorie Taylor Greens out there, don't don't we, to run for office. So she's going to be here after the first break to hear what she's got to say. She had a rally over the weekend and that was attended by none other than Mike Lindell. As, and she received the endorsements from... From a Rudy Giuliani and a Roger Stone. So I'm excited to have her on the show. Bottom half of the hour, we've got Kevin Kiley back, California Republican state legislator. I'm finally, I'm going to get that word down one of these days, baby. And I'm going to pronounce it correctly. He's going to be here. A lot of people hoping he's going to, Kevin Kiley, a lot of people are hoping that he's actually going to run for governor. So he's going to be here to talk about uh, the issues in the recall election, what's going on with Newsom, uh, Governor Game Show host with his lottery spins. We got lots to get into tonight, but we'll make time for your calls. 888-344-1170. Follow me on all the socials at either Andrea K or Andrea K Show. The man who's with me every night of the week is my man. It's DJ Potato Skins. We have a gentleman. I view it this way. Anything that potentially can help, and that certainly can potentially help, is a good thing. DJ Potato Skins. So, Andrea, did you enter the uh, taxpayer's uh, vaccination raffle to get your Amazon gift card? <laughs> well, they got to do a whole... They, they ain't, Amazon ain't got enough gift cards, baby, to pay me <laughs> to get that shot. And there I said it. You know, uh, 
Um, it won't. According to OSHA, we had this ruling on Friday. We're going to ask oh, yeah. Kevin Kylie about that, which is which is new regulations on uh, businesses. Um, so it, it may or may not be allowed to ask me that question going forward, or maybe you, you'll be allowed to ask me any question that you want in the workplace, depending on whatever suits OSHA's needs. So we're going to ask Kevin Kylie about that. Um, I encourage you all. I, I started a Vanity Fair uh, did an article that I referenced on Friday, which was pretty shocking in terms of gain of gain of function funding. That's what so much about Vanity Fair was about, as well as the the a lot of of how the truth is starting to emerge about the leak, whether it came from a lab. Um, It's it, it starting to emerge. It's been a year and a half. Quite frankly, every citizen, there were all kinds of Chinese bloggers coming out of Wuhan that said from day one, hey, this was never about a bat, okay? This was always about a lab that's right around the corner from us, right? And we don't even, And right now, bats aren't even being sold at the lab because you know what? They don't, they're not flying around. This is kind of, a, this is kind of like when they're hibernating, um, but anyway, I don't want to go too much into that, but that's really so much about what we talked about on Friday. We talked about how uh, so many about how uh, people that uh, there was a team that was going to investigate the lab leak and they were told to back off because it could open up a can of worms because of the extent in which the U.S. government was funding gain of function. OK, so now we've got more revelations now that you're caught up to speed on that. New York Post article came out with a couple of things today. President Trump. In August of 2020, signed an executive order that said, by the authority uh, vested in me as president, uh, uh, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, it is hereby ordered as follows. The National Commission on the Origins and Cost of COVID-19 is hereby established. Uh, according to New York Post, which I believe is based on Scott Atlas's book coming out in the fall, uh, this was the brainchild of Trump's uh, trade advisor, Peter Navarro, who also was the most vocal and put together the most documented um, bullets uh, of laying out all the different ways in which uh, the fraud in the Gen- uh, November 2020 election occurred. Um, he also had the support of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Um, in, an, in meetings in the Oval Office, as it was discussed, there was a lot of pushback and President Trump was talked out of it. And he was talked out of it by none other than a, a group of people, one of which was Larry Kudlow. Now, Larry Kudlow... If, if, if I, if I, if I'm interested in economic advice, and I've met Larry Kudlow, seems like a nice guy. If I'm interested in economic advice, if I, if I may want some investment advice, hey, what do you think? Should I buy gold? What do you think about this Bitcoin? Fine. But when it comes to a fraud that's been perpetrated on the United States of America and whether or not the American people have a right to know about it and get to the truth, you're going to listen to Larry Kudlow? And the reason why? Potato skins that they, that Trump was talked out of it was because it was, it was too close to an election and it might appear like politics was at play. You tell me, potato skins. Does that make sense to you? First of all, a couple of things here. When do the Democrats ever, ever let the appearance of politics stop them from getting political? They are nakedly political all day, every day. They had just one example. They had what's her face, AOC and all white standing outside an empty parking lot taking pictures, acting like she was crying over kids in cages. 
They're shameless, the Democrats are. And this is why we lose, because all the Republicans care about is is, is playing it safe, avoiding any per- negative perception by the idiots like Rachel Maddow. And this is an over over concern about winning an election. But this is exactly how we lose elections, isn't it? And I hate to admit it, but right there, um, talked into it or not, President Trump was talked into playing it safe. Right. President Trump's instincts were right. Were right, and that's how he won. And the second he got into D.C. and inside the Beltway, he surrounded himself with people that at every turn talked him out of following his instincts. Where would we be today? And oh, by the way, what, August 2020 is too late to drag Fauci publicly and force him to answer questions. Hey, isn't there a little thing called an October surprise? And this election still isn't ultimately settled in many people's minds. It didn't even get settled to the end of January. There was plenty of time to do this. This was, according to somebody who was in the room, said that this was because um, it, um, there were too many people involved that were Chinese apologists. Couple of other points. And, and oh, by the way, um, how do I say this? It, it's just almost a self fulfilling prophecy. This is why the Republicans lose, right? Because they're so worried about winning an election that they don't do the very things that would win them an election. The only reason why the Republican Party had both houses of Congress going into uh, 2016 was because they intentionally brought it, the voters brought in an outsider in 2016 um, because both parties had failed them. But they were smart enough to know that they still had to have one party, the one that was most closely aligned with them, the Republicans in control of the House of Representatives and the Senate in order for their man Trump to get anything done, right? So, but, but the point... At, at, I'm running out of time here. It, but at that point, the voters had realized that the Republican Party was promise, making promises on the campaign trail and then getting into office and never fulfilling the promises. If they just, if everybody who won re-election, a legit election, fulfilled their campaign promises, there would be nothing to worry about. Do the right thing for the American people. Because if you don't do the right thing, if you don't fulfill your campaign promises, you're going to lose either because you're going to um, uh, have a better candidate on the other side. You're going to people are going to stay at home. But whatever reason, you're going to end up losing. If President Trump had done this in August, if he had gone there in January of 2017 and said, I'm just going to fulfill every my goal is to not even think about reelection or anybody else's on the midterms. But to do, do the right thing for the American people, we would be in a different situation today. Yeah, Trump did not typically act like a Republican most of the time, but the couple of times that he caved, it cost him dearly. Well, it did. A couple of other points for you to realize. Uh, our crack intelligence community, upon which Ratcliffe, who was who, who it was so impressive in the impeachment hearings as a solid constitutionalist, people applauded him taking over as director of national intelligence. Uh, he issued a statement that there was consensus in the scientific community that this was not man-made and this was a lie. And it was based on an intelligence community that, according to this article today, is being incredibly embarrassed today. Because who did they go to for intelligence, to gather intelligence on what happened in the Wuhan lab? Fauci, who gave a 10-minute presentation, Fauci... And the guy from Echo Health who was using taxpayer funds to do gain of function research. This is like going to um, Don Corleone and telling him you and asking Don Corleone to, to help you find out what's going on in, in under in organized crime or Tony Soprano.
Another point before I run out of time here. China filed for patents on a vaccine in mid-January. January 19th, to be exact. This was, this was when... Wait, at, wait, wait, wait. That is, uh, that's before the pandemic. Before the pandemic. In fact, this was, in fact, in mid-January, Fauci donated. They not only filed China, filed a patent on a vaccine. Now, why would you file a patent on a vaccine for a virus that hadn't even leaked out and hadn't even created a problem? In fact, at this point, let me remind you, uh, Fauci was saying, it, it, actually even I think after this point, when Trump did a travel ban and Trump was called xenophobic and then um, Fauci even said there was no need to do that. At that point, get a load of this and then we're going to pick it up later on the show. In mid-January 2020, Fauci donated free remdesivir samples to China for an experimental clinical trial to see if it was effective against COVID-19. So that all that was part and, and which was a part of laying the foundation for a vaccine. It was also think about January 19th. This was before anybody was coming down sick, before we had any deaths. Think about after deaths started happening and doctors were, were looking at therapeutics and Fauci denied all of it. And he said the only thing that might possibly work down the road is resdemivir. This is the greatest hoax that's been perpetrated in the American people. This is far worse. This man. And the United States government, quite frankly, has hundreds of thousands of deaths. On is that? Am I being hyperbolic? Am I allowed to spot on? We're going to take a break. I'm well past the point. I've got to bring in um, a gal who is running for office, Melissa Cironi. I hope I'm saying it right. Dominion whistleblower, hero, throwing her hat in the ring to run for office. Stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Andrea K, bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. At the open of the show, we were discussing the bombshell revelations in this New York Post article that are based upon the book, I believe, coming out from Dr. Scott Atlas. So we'll revisit some of the uh, bullet points. If you missed that, we'll go over it and give you the bullet points on that later. Got to shift gears because you know what? We still got to we uh, we are going to continue to discuss the election fraud because as we see what's happening in this country, uh, nothing matters until our elections matter. And we've got a hero coming up right now. She was actually a Dominion whistleblower and she's decided in the name of liberty and freedom to throw her hat in the ring and run for office. And I do hope I pronounce her name correctly. I should have clarified this beforehand. I'm the worst at butchering names. It's Melissa Cironi. Did I say it right? It's Carone. Oh, Carone. See, I was trying to make it. More <laughs> oh, it's okay. I was trying to make it exotic. Well, thank you so much for being here on the show. I appreciate oh, it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Well, I'd like to start um, with um, you sharing, um, and you're running for state rep in the 46th district to replace a current conservative whose who's term is up. He can't run again. Um, what was yeah. it that motivated I, I'm curious as to, there's been so many different stories going around about Dominion. Um, what, yeah. do we, what do we need to know that happened there? Well, I would say the most important thing was... Um, that I was initially scheduled to work at the the Detroit Department of Election Center, which the uh, Dominion employees referred to as the Chicago Warehouse. I was trained on the tabulation and adjudication process. So uh, I I 
later got moved to the TCF center, but the van, the white van that came at 4.30 in the morning full of ballots, we know now came three times, not one time. And it came directly from the Chicago warehouse. So they were filling out ballots there and they brought them to the TCF center. And those are all fake ballots. Um, also, I witnessed several. Excuse me. For, I want to make sure. Excuse me for interrupting, Melissa. Yeah. I want to make sure I understand because right. my mind is kind of blown right now. You right. witnessed ballots that were pre-filled out from Chicago coming into Michigan. No, no, no. Sorry. Okay. So the Dominion, the Dominion employees referred to the Detroit Department of Election Center as the Chicago Warehouse. That was their name for it. Okay. So, yeah, but that that was just what they called it. Okay. So these ballots came from there. There was no poll watchers there. There was no nobody there to watch what was going on there. But the ballots came from there, pre-filled out from that location, and they came wow. to the TCS Center in a white van. I saw the white van pull in. Um, I said it in my testimony several times. I have several other witnesses who watched the ballots being carried out. Later, we got um, video footage from the TCF center basement where the van pulled in, and it confirmed that boxes of ballots were carried out. Um, The guy's right there on video. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, you know, another thing, a really big thing is the – Workers at the TCF center were scanning batches of ballots through the tabulator over and over and over again without discarding them first. You know, so this wow. is counting votes over and over and over again. And it happened, I mean, countless times within a 27 hour period that I was there. Wow. And you testified to this. I, I think I remember why well, I watched most of the testimony. So I probably saw yours. I, I know that there were people yeah. that said that that van, that, that was a hoax. And because uh, no. the, the pictures of the white van were going around on the Internet and it was, you know, yeah. it, it was, you know, perpetrated or propagated as 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 a hoax. Um, so, um you know, uh, there was, I, I think, Michigan and Wisconsin. We only had, of all the lawsuits that were filed around the country related to fraud, we only had, I think, one judge in Michigan, actually, who um, agreed mm-hmm. that shenanigans had taken place and that there was mm-hmm. fraud. Uh, I actually think that that, yeah. right, am I correct? Yes, you are. That's the Antrim County judge. And um, he actually just let that case go. He just dismissed it. Wow. But, um yeah, they found that the Antrim County was flipped completely with over, like, I think 4,500 votes that they called Antrim County for Biden, but it it went to Trump. So we know that election fraud took place, and I know that that's one of the, one of the reasons why, yes, that you decided to run. Tell us about what you, what you, why you decided to run and what you think that you can accomplish because we need, we need, we need at the state levels, we need Republicans to do their jobs. Uh, every one of the contested states, um, uh, that ended up going to Biden were actually run by Republicans. There were many people that were like, well, why didn't the Republicans keep this from happening? Speak to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, you know, we have to, Michigan, we have to clean Michigan out. We are, we, our elected officials in Michigan are terrible. You know, I've been going to meetings and recording them lately. Uh, Senators, House reps, uh, talking, Republicans 
saying that the election wasn't stolen, that Trump blew it. Every one of them, I recorded it. Every time I went, I've got about seven or eight of them on recording, and everybody I have going to meetings, I have them do the same thing. All they do is ask, who do you think won the election? And it tells everything. But, wow. I mean, we have to get them out. We well, have to get them out. We have to get them out, and then we also have to make sure at the state level that there are that we have a replication of what what is going on in, in Florida. I read that you said right. that you you want to go back to mail in ballots. You want to get rid of machines. Absolutely. To me, it should be basic. Yeah. It, we, it should be election day, not election days. None of this early right. voting business. I don't Absolutely. like absentees. If you decide you want to take yeah. a vacation on election day, then you've decided to give up your right to vote. The only people that's, who should be voting exactly absentee. Right is military. That's my thoughts. Yep. Absolutely. I totally agree with that statement. Now, the machines, it's not just Dominion, it's every machine. They're all capable of this. Every time I do research on all these machines, ES&S, Heart, um, you know, AccuVote, these are all machines that have one time this company, all these companies were owned by Dominion. Dominion is a monopoly. Not a lot of people understand that. And, you know, the all of this evidence that has come out is is it's unbelievable. People just fail to realize that these are facts. You know, it doesn't matter how many times they're told or the evidence they're given. They don't want to believe it. Well, and, and, and excuse me for interrupting, but then we also one of the things you and I haven't touched on and we're getting close to running out of time is also, uh, you know, I don't know how much you've had a chance to stay on top of what they're doing about this January 6th thing. They're, they've managed to yeah. shift the conversation from a way, a, one of the ways in which they've shifted the conversation away from the facts about what happened, whether it's the Dominion machines or absentee, uh, you know, state, you know, secretary of state and other people that don't have the right to be changing election laws doing so um, they've now made anybody who questions the outcome of the election a domestic terrorist because of what happened right. on January 6th that's part of the issue right. we've got now right it is and January 6th was not Trump supporters I was there on January 6th and I watched what happened I was sitting five rows from Trump speaking I watched what happened I watched Antifa going down those roads the police watching them do it they had bats, baseball bats sticking out of their backpacks, spikes up and down their le- um, legs and shoes, and nobody questioned them one time. It looked like, I mean, by looking at somebody like that walking down the street, you would think a police officer would say, uh, excuse me, what are you mm-hmm. doing, going to assault someone? Mm-hmm. You know, but never not one time was a question asked of them, and that was Antifa that went into the Capitol building, the police, there was police, they're on video letting people in. They're walking mm-hmm. in straight lines between the ropes. I mean, and then you have, you know, Portland being burned down and them taking over these cities and, you know, Minnesota. Look at what's going on in these cities. And nothing gets said about it. No. Nothing gets said about it. That's actual domestic terrorism. Mm-hmm. That's the definition of domestic terrorism. But, you know, they once Trump, a Trump supporter gets brought into something, just because it was our event, you know, yeah. they want to make us seem like we're domestic terrorists. We're the farthest from that. We're, well, we're not domestic terrorists. 
and even if there were some Trump supporters who did commit trespassing, there are some judges that have thrown out the cases and saying there, there's no there's why are you here on a felony charge when these people didn't do anything violent? The only act of violence that I actually saw was when a black police officer gunned down an unarmed woman, Ashley Babbitt. Right. She was breaking exactly. the law and going through a window. But, it, you know, if you're going to use uh, the argument that somebody, uh, you know, still doesn't deserve to die by a cop in the commission of a crime, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's apply the George mm-hmm. Floyd, you know, standard exactly. and she shouldn't have been gunned down. But um, exactly. we we don't have enough in the Republican Party pushing back against the skirt, no, the lie that everybody because now 75 million Trump supporters or and or anybody that the questions, the outcome of that election is now considered a domestic terrorist. I wish I yeah. had more time with you. I'm going to have to have you back because I think you're a hero yeah, for speaking up great. about. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, how can people learn about you and your campaign? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so my website is votecorone.com. And lastly, I just like to say I just got endorsed by um, Roger Stone, Mike Lindell and Rudy Giuliani. Well, that says really a lot. Big endorsements. But yes, I'm very excited about that. And, you know, we, we just have to elect America first candidates and we have to get these people out of office. They're being paid off to vote against us and to literally be Democrats. They're 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 just there with an R by their name. They're not Republicans, these people. And you know what? You're right. And let me tell you, one of the reasons why I wanted Melissa on tonight is because you need to get active in your local community. If you're listening to me, yes. you need to run for office. Too many times as conservatives, yes. we only vote um, when it's a presidential election. We don't run for office ourselves. We don't pay attention to the local races. And this is one reason yes. why we're in the pickle we're in. I'm well over time, Melissa. Thank you so thank much you. for being here. God bless. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Now, speaking of state uh, legislators, Kevin Kiley is holding on the line, patiently waiting great guy that he is and we're going to bring him in next you know he's a favorite here in california and i got some questions for him regarding this recall election and more so stay tuned want more andrea k follow her on twitter at andrea k show and like her facebook fan page at andrea k spelled k-a-y-e news politics and current events it's the andrea k show on the answer san diego Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. I think we have a theme here. People either running for local office at the state level to change what's going on in this country, or now we've got a guest of someone who's doing just that. The question is, what's next for Kevin Kiley, fan favorite of the Andrea K. Show, favorite of Republicans across the state of California? If you if you've uh, been paying any attention at all to the recall and other things happening in California, or maybe you've been reading his blog, Capital Quagmire, you know what it, what's going on and what he is about, as well as his lawsuits against Newsom. And he joins me now. Now. Hi, Kevin Kylie. Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Hey, Andrea. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here and holding patiently, by the way. I ran a little bit long with with Melissa Carone, who's running for state legislature in uh, in Michigan. And so I just think anybody who runs for office at all is a hero because what you guys have to go through, the scrutiny, it's just brutal. OK, and, you know, and, and which leads me to my first question, Kevin Kiley, that everybody wants to know is, are you going to take it to the next level and actually throw your hat in the ring for governor. (laughs) 
Well, gee, you start you you don't you cut to the chase. Uh, <laughs> I've I've been known to be blunt, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh, so I just uh, put something out today, actually, on my blog, mm. and uh, you know I um, have not in sort of that wasn't the reason I got involved in the recall. I, I got involved in the recall to try to help the recall be successful and to support the countless you know citizens who have propelled this thing forward. Um, but you know, as I've been talking with folks the last uh, several months. Uh, I suppose the I've started to consider it uh, more seriously, but only insofar as it will serve the the overall primary goal of the recall, which is to remove Kevin Newsom from office. So um, I've, what I've decided to do is there's a group of folks who have been involved in the recall. And uh, in fact, the Warren Heatley is the lead proponent of it, is, is organizing uh, a group uh, that's going to uh, assess, you know, whether I would help to serve that purpose if I were to enter as a candidate and whether that would be the best thing uh, for our chances of removing Gavin Newsom from office and, you know, fundamentally changing uh, the politics of California. So uh, that's kind of where things stand. Uh, they're going to sort of uh, take a look at this and advise me and then we'll proceed. But, you know, we'd love to hear from uh, your listeners and other folks as well on their thoughts. Well, that's one reason why I did cut to the chase, because, as you know, people are desperate to get him out of office. A couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago, when he decided to open up the checkbook and start paying people even more money to stay at home, and he announced this June 15th reopening, oh, I'm going to suddenly on June 15th, Rona's not going to matter anymore. People were like, you know what he's trying to, he's trying to pay people to stay in office. And some people were thinking that it might work, that, you know, he might slow the mo of the recall. I don't believe that. And you particularly, you know, he can be he can be up there spinning the wheel like he's governor game show host. But the damage that he's done to the state to many people is permanent. Uh, the damage that he's done, 30 percent of our restaurants are closed permanently. The psychological damage on our children alone. Um, there's it's it's hard to even measure when you get into things like uh, overdose deaths and others. I don't I don't think that he's got a chance of staying in office, but I don't think we can take it for granted. How do you what do you think right now, before we get into some policies of what needs to happen, um, what, on, seriously, how do you see, because first question is, do you want him gone or not on, on the recall? He, that many Democrats are saying that he's a solid to stay. Well, I think that that's uh, that they're wrong about that. That, that we have a real shot uh, here to make this happen. Now, uh, it's true that they are going to throw everything they can at us, and then some. They're going to use their uh, existing position with their hands on the levers of power uh, to try to advantage themselves in every way they can. They're not talking about trying to mess with the actual timing of the election uh, as well. And Newsom mm-hmm. has already raised something like $13, $14 million from special interests uh, who are, you know, he's their guy, right? He does the bidding of lobbyists. So they're going to uh, spend like crazy uh, to protect their investment. So, uh, you know, we can't underestimate uh, the uh, the challenges and uh, the obstacles that will be thrown in our path. But people have been saying since the beginning of this thing, they would never qualify. If mm-hmm. they don't know, you'll never get the signatures. Not only did we get the signatures, but we it was the biggest petition drive, I think, in, in United States history. And so I think that, you know, we have a real shot here to uh, to have this extraordinary citizens movement uh, overcome all of the ways in which the deck is stacked against us. And if we're able to do that, then the whole deck is going to be reshuffled. It's going to be a whole new day uh, in California. And so I think that, you know, we need to just do everything we can over these next few months to get out the vote 
and to get this movement across the finish line. I agree. And I, I do think we've got a great chance, um, particularly. It, and even if you thought that maybe he might have saved himself a little bit with the, I'm going to pay more money. And now he's doing the game show host thing. Then all of a sudden OSHA comes out Friday with these mask mandates are going to extend and forcing businesses to have to um, ask, violate HIPAA uh, rules by asking people if they've gotten vaccinated and basically trying to force everybody to get get vaccinated and Newsom had an opportunity to say no I'm going to override that and he didn't um, he's refusing to remove the emergency declaration these are things that I think are going to be a death knell to him um, I, and I think that you can be whether you throw your hat in the ring or not you have an, such an important voice that you can force the hand of those even even if you're not running you can force the hand of those Republicans running to take, take the right stand on these mm-hmm. issues speak to the what should happen with these mandates um whether it's masks vaccinations and beyond well the governor's announcement uh during the game show on friday that the state of emergency is not going to go away uh was completely outrageous in my view it's uh, and lawless the law requires uh that he uh terminate it says the governor shall terminate a state of emergency at the earliest possible date that conditions warrant. And he's as much as admitted uh, that conditions do not warrant a state of emergency. You said we're the last in the country to do so, but finally everything is being allowed to open up on June 15th. I mean, he's saying that everything is going to go back to normal in California, except for the balance of power in our government. There, he's going to go ahead and cling to uh, these extraordinary powers for himself. So uh, it's just the, the latest abuse. Uh, and it's frankly the way that, uh, you know, life has been in California for the last 15 months. Uh, we've had the most severe lockdowns. We've had the longest lasting school closures. Uh, and uh, we've had some of the worst, probably the worst outcomes uh, mm-hmm. of any state in the country. When you look at education, when you look at the economy, uh, when you look at public health. And now, of course, we've been the last to open everything. Mm-hmm. And we were the last, along with Hawaii, uh, to actually observe the, the guidance of the CDC uh, when it comes to masks. And so uh, I think that, you know, people across California have gotten a very, uh, I'd say, close look at the way our government works uh, over the course of, of this last year. Uh, and I think that that is going to drive, uh, you know, not only success in the recall, but a fundamental course correction in California. Well, one of the things that I'm concerned about with this election is that it become all about economics. And Mm. we we need somebody who obviously understands um, how you overregulation in a variety of different ways. I mean, you know, the, clearly the Democrats, whether it's California and beyond, I mean, this was an opportunity for them to seize control of the, the means of production and, and usher in their Marxist utopia. And so there's no way to avoid the economic disaster that is, you know, Democrat, you know, Marxism at this point. But I'm concerned um, that we've got a couple of people running for governor now that, that are pushing forth what I think is a fallacy that you can be socially liberal and fiscally conservative because there's nothing that kills us more economically than the social justice warrior crap. Not to mention one of the ways that it kills us is in the long term by destroying our culture that we have. And I, and we need somebody who's going to be a true conservative across the board, in my opinion. Can you, um, anything you can, what can you speak to on that in about the minute and a half we have left? 
Well, I think that, you know, uh, one thing that's important to, to see is that uh, these uh, policies that are kind of part of the, the woke agenda um, are not only outrageous in themselves, but are used to conceal the true corruption happening at our capital. So take critical race theory, for example. Uh, the Assembly passed a bill to make that a graduation requirement, even though it's been condemned uh, by Jewish American groups as being anti-Semitic, among many other problems. Uh, but nevertheless, our legislature would have this be a graduation requirement. Uh, and in so doing, it's trying to conceal the fact that California actually has uh, failing public schools. We have some of the widest achievement gaps uh, in the entire country. And, you know, we have uh, there was a lawsuit where kids sued the state of California because they're not being taught how to read. And the state had to settle that for 50 million dollars. Mm-hmm. So rather than trying to actually teach kids uh, the skills they need to be successful in life, how to read, how to do math, writing, you know, the basics, uh, which is what you need to actually achieve, whatever you call it, equity or uh, the or equal opportunity. Uh, they routinely stop those things from happening at the behest of powerful special interests like the teachers unions. And then they tell us that we're going to solve all these problems by adopting and indeed requiring critical race theory. Uh, it's it's just it couldn't be more backwards. Well, it's because ultimately it's it's really a cultural a cultural Marxist movement. It, it, that's what the transgender movement is, where they're going around and in uh, pretending that it's about diversity um, when what it's really about is destroying the fabric of our nation to destroy the Judeo-Christian principles and values and and uh, through division, um, you know, change change America. And, you know, we and I, I, I'm hoping we've got a governor who's who, who or those who are going to run for governor for California as a part of this recall. Here's an opportunity for us to um, stop the, the the ways in which Marxism, the, all the different fronts in which Marxism is confronting us today, not just from an economic standpoint, but also for the cult, cultural Marxist movement. We need we need those that are going to be willing to stand up and not be afraid to say, no, we, you're not going to teach five year olds transgenderism in the schools. No, you're not going to teach critical race theory that, you know, all white people are bad and, and, and evil in, in the schools because ultimately this is about Marxism. So um, that's what I'm looking for in somebody who's running for governor. Um, whether you run for governor or not, you are such an important voice, uh, Kevin Kiley, and what's happening. And you will influence the outcome of this race, whether you run or not. And so I thank you for coming on tonight. How do you want to wrap it up in the minute we have left? Oh, well, I thank you very much uh, for the kind words. And, uh, you know, I think that this is a vitally important uh, next few months uh, in California's history. You know, we have an opportunity for the people of this state uh, to make their voice heard loud and clear and to put their mark directly on uh, on our state's capital, on our politics uh, and on our future. And that's something that is really, uh, you know, been an opportunity that's been given to us by the tireless work of countless uh, citizens in, in the greatest citizen movement we've ever seen. So it's just an honor uh, to be in that fight with uh, with so many true, uh, you know, truly extraordinary people. And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing it and getting it across the finish line here in the months ahead. Well, thank you again so much for being here. And I look forward to having you back soon. And I'm going to keep reading your blog and staying up on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Andrea. Thank you. All righty. Y'all thank stay you. tuned. We got more to talk about. I tell you who's in the sights of the left today. Their own mansion, Joe Manchin out of uh, West Virginia. He's in, he's in the targets tonight. We'll explain to you why when we come back. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. 
Andrea K. Telling you like it is, all while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. So earlier in the show, we were talking to Melissa Carone, who's running for office. She's the Dominion whistleblower out of Michigan. And uh, we know that nothing matters unless our elections matter. So we got to give credit where credit's due. Not because Joe Manchin, um, regardless of his, you know, um, Joe Manchin basically said today I, he wasn't going to vote for H.R. 1, which is the bill that basically federalized, centralizes right. and um, basically steals the elections permanently by centralizing them, which is trampling the, the U.S. Constitution. Give credit where credit is due. Good yeah, got to give him credit. Now, he's doing it for himself because, you know, he can't he's not going to be able to get reelected if he votes for this in the state that he's in. But whatever the motivation, actually, that's the way it should be. Right. Um, we're supposed to be a representative government. You're supposed to be representing the people in your district Regardless and what they want. Party. Right. So, you know, he's he's doing the right thing here. His his reasons for it are, are, are squishy. Um, he says that I believe that partisan voting legislation will destroy the already weakening binds of our democracy. And for that reason, I will vote against the For the People Act. The truth, I would argue, is that voting and election reform that is done in a partisan manner will all but ensure partisan divisions continuing to deepen. No, how about it tramples the Constitution because elections are supposed to be done at the state level and that this is, uh, if you read what he's saying here, the only problem he has with it is that the Republicans aren't going along with it. Not that it's wrong that it tramples the Constitution by centralizing the election and giving a Congress control taking away our votes, taking away our voices, right? So it's hard for me to give him any credit. Um, I will continue to engage with my Republican and Democratic colleagues about the value of the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, and I'm encouraged by the desire from both sides to transcend partisan politics. You know, look, you know, it's, 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 it's sad when this is this dude, I'm glad he did it. Um, I think his motives um, were, were self-serving, but still, I'm grateful that we've got somebody who's a bulwark for it. But his reasoning is, is flawed. His justifications for not voting for it are troubling. We and we don't. It's like uh, Melissa Carone was saying earlier in the show. We don't have any real. We don't have enough. We have very few real conservatives out there. They may have an R after their name. And, you know, um. Uh, yeah, right now we literally have a handful. We've got a handful. And what we need to do is, and I know that I've got friends here in the Republican Party that are active. And, you know, like I said on Friday's show, I've got to serve up the veggies. Um, you know, if we're going to, if the Republican Party is going to stay viable and if it's going to stay a force and it wants to recruit um, and actually continue to push and actually be a party for conservatism, then be a party for conservatism. I will help you recruit candidates that are about America first. I will help you recruit candidates that are about a restoration and preserving our constitution. So I, 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 I think that the argument about going third party is over. I think what we need to do is work with and encourage and tell the Republican party we expect to be represented and we want to support candidates that support that, that are, that are basically MAGA. And we want you to speak up for that and speak up for MAGA instead of allowing us to be thrown under the bus as though we're all a bunch of domestic terrorists. We got, we got quite the job to do but if we've got more Melissa Carones out there more Marjorie Taylor Greens more Kevin Kiley more people that are willing to go out there and run for school board run for your state uh, you know elected officials run for the city council in your area now's the time now's the time to do it 
right? And now's the time to tell the Republican Party, uh, we want to support you. Um, and you can do that by supporting candidates in, in, uh, that actually support conservatism and the Constitution. And then it could be a win-win for all of us. Hey, love you all. Be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Peace out. Oh,